0: Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, how are we doing today? We good? Yeah, that's about how you, it sounds in here. We good? We, we, we all right? Everybody's good? Yeah? Hey, wake up, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm not hosting a party, so I can say that word without getting fined by the FCC, I think it is, but uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I am wearing uh, my, my NFL team's jersey, not because we're playing tonight. Our season's been over for about four months, but uh, we played well enough to get a really good draft pick, so that means we played really bad. Uh, but man, I, I'm excited about the game tonight. I always love sporting events. Uh, And so I'm I'm so thankful that we have an opportunity to host a couple different places, a couple different ways for people to watch the game. But even beyond the game, uh, even if you're not a sports fan, you come to these two parties, or you go to your G group if they're hosting an event. It's going to be a really really great, uh, great night. You also heard a little bit about uh, this this past week on social media. Maybe you've heard it already. But if you are a parent, we're offering a kind of like the Super Bowl for you. Uh, We're offering Parents Night Out this coming Friday night, Uh, and so it's free of charge. All you have to do is go on. the website and register, um, we'll feed your kids, we'll, we'll have fun with them, and you can go and have fun as well for a couple hours, just date night, a couple days before Valentine's Day, guys, that's coming up um, next Sunday, so don't forget that, right? So Friday night, February 12th, Parents Night Out, uh, it's gonna be great, and we've got a lot of things coming up, uh, we have Couple to Couple that launches in March, you're gonna hear more about that next uh, week, uh, we've also got just a bunch of other things as G Groups are launching, things that are happening in the, in the weeks ahead, so we're glad you're a part of that here at Generations Church. This past week was a big week in football as well. And I know not everybody's a sports fan, so don't think all day is about sports. But this past week was a big day in college football because it was National Signing Day. So you may not be familiar with what that means or what that looks like, but in a nutshell, I'll just kind of give you the high points, okay? So this past Wednesday was National Signing Day, which means that the, the high school senior football players, so those that played high school in or football in high school, and they're good, not the kids that aren't good, they don't get that opportunity, but they, the kids that are good, they for several months and maybe even for several years have been recruited by these colleges to come and play football at their college after their high school career is over. And so over the last few months, perhaps they have given what's called a verbal commitment so they've said hey I want to go play at the University of Tennessee well nobody's really been saying that a lot but I want to go play at the University of Tennessee Um, and so they give these verbal come I want to go play at Georgia I'm committed now the only way that they can really commit and over the years it's kind of happened as jokes other than this but the only way they can commit is if the school says hey we want you to come play for us and so once a school offers them a scholarship or offers them the opportunity to walk on and be on the roster then a player can say have all the schools that, that would like me to come play I'm I'm going to verbally commit to you to come and play for your school. That's my that's my plan. Well, up until this past Wednesday, it was just that. It was just them verbally saying, I want to play for your school. But after Wednesday, they actually signed a letter of intent to that school to say, not only am I verbally committing, I'm actually pledging myself to come to your school. Like if they sign that letter, it really takes a lot of effort then to get out of that letter. They've changed the rules and things over the last few years. But like that's where the commitment really happens. So all day long. You can watch Twitter and you can watch people that like they're on their job. I've got some friends, there was a group text message going around and these grown men were spending way too long worried about where 18 year olds are gonna spend the next four years of their life. But they were just, oh, can you believe he did this? And he signed and he signed and he signed. I'm like, my team's terrible right now. I don't really care. And so, you know, that's what's happening this past Wednesday. Well, here's what I think over the course of the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about where a lot of us have have followed the example of these kind of high school football players up until Wednesday where we haven't really committed ourselves to some things, but we've just verbally committed. It's non-binding. Like as it relates to the things in our lives that we're verbally committed to, there's not really anything on the line when we say, hey, I'm, I'm going after this, I'm committed to this, I'm gonna do this with my life, I'm making this commitment, I'm doing these things, I'm gonna do these other things. Really, we're a lot like these players that can just choose to switch verbal commitments because it hasn't really cost us anything. We haven't actually signed on the dotted line. So over the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about what does it look like in this culture to actually be committed to something? We're gonna talk about our relationship with God. We're gonna talk about our marriage. We're gonna talk about our families and other relationships. And we're just gonna talk about general pursuits in our life and the things that we give ourselves, our energy, our time, and our treasure to. So what does that actually look like to be committed? I think in our current culture, and I realize as I even say this, it makes me sound like an old curmudgeon, but I realize in our current culture, like the, the loyalty factor has gone way down. And the example that I use is that my grandfather has used state farm insurance since like Noah walked off the ark. I mean like he's been with them a long time. And my dad, when he turned 16, he started with State Farm. And to the best of my knowledge, like, I don't even really think he's ever switched insurance. I switch insurance every time it saves me a dollar, right? Because the loyalty factor is just not there in, in my generation. And then for sure in the generations that are coming after, it's not really brand loyalty. It's not really, those, it's just like, what does this add value to my life? How do I benefit from this And that that weaves its way into our relationships, both with God and people on earth, whether it's in our family, our friends, our businesses. And so I think that there is a lack of loyalty, and I think we got to confront it, and I think we got to figure out how do we live lives that are more committed? How are we as Christ followers, if you would identify yourself that way, called to live in the current culture, in this current day that we live now? And so today I want to start with our relationship with God whether you are a Christian, whether you say, yeah, I'm for sure like in relationship with God or I'm, I'm, I'm close to making that kind of decision or I'm still kind of feeling this thing out, I'm not really sure where I land on that scale. I think that all of us in some way are on a spiritual continuum. We're in or in pursuit of or in relationship with God or, or we're enough in this room or watching online in some facet that we are connected to some spiritual journey, some spiritual process And so what is it that we're called to be committed to? So if you wanna go with me to Revelation chapter three, if you got a Bible or you got an app, you can flip there with me. Revelation chapter three, beginning in verse 15, we'll read three verses together. We'll read some other scriptures a little later. They should be all on the screen today. Revelation three, verse 15, 16, and 17, they say this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. So just to put this in perspective, this is the book of Revelation, which is a revelation, it's a vision that a guy named John has while he's living on the Isle of Patmos, and this vision is of Jesus Christ, and the things to come, perhaps, as, as you would say that, it's the things that he sees being revealed to him by God and he sees Jesus interacting. He, he, he talks, to, he listens to Jesus as Jesus is talking. And so what you have here in the first portion of the book of Revelation is you have letters to seven churches, And these letters written to these seven churches give a lot of clarity around these churches and how they're acting. And of the seven churches, six of them get some commendation. They get some like, hey, you're doing pretty good. Here's some things you need to fix. Or hey, this is working, but this is not, and here's how we work on that. This letter here in Revelation 3 is written to a church by the name of Laodicea, and they get no commendation. They get no attaboys. They get no, hey, you're doing pretty good. Let's just pick it up in this one area they come really hard right at the church at Laodicea. And, and what we just read here is he says in, the, in these, first, these last few lines, he says, you've gotten a lot of possessions, you're rich, you have a lot of things at your disposal, you don't really need a lot, you're kind of self-made man or woman. And he says, but you don't realize that none of those things actually matter. The things that you're building your life on, the things that you're committed to, those things don't actually matter. Instead, you are wretched pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I mean, ouch. If you're talking about the words of Christ here, and you're talking about this vision that's given to John, and now you and I can read it, it's pretty difficult to hear that we are wretched and pitiful and poor and naked and blind, perhaps. But I think as I listen to and I understand the context of this letter, man, I can identify with so many of the things that are being written about. We live in a culture, we live in a community where maybe you don't have everything you desire to have, maybe you don't have all the wealth and things that you wish that you would have, but how many of us could look around in our current culture and our current community and the current society that we live in and go, yeah, we're kind of self-made men and women. There there are some needs, perhaps, but not in comparison to other people around the world and not in other comparison to other people throughout history and if we're not careful, what happens is we lack the level of commitment that is required as we are pursuing relationship with God and we find ourselves in this hot and cold, lukewarm kind of mindset. I think one of the the, the worst things in the world is when, when you're about to get into the shower or get into the bath and you don't realize that the other five members of your household, hypothetically, have taken a shower before you and there's no hot water left, Hypothetically, I'm not speaking about anybody sitting on the front row or anybody else in the building, but when you get into a shower thinking, oh, I just need like a hot shower to like, well, just get on my muscles and just help me to, you know, just kind of feel better about the day or what. And, and you get in and other people have expended all the hot water in the house. And it's not yet cold, but you get in and you're like, really, this is all you've got? And you turn it as far left as it can go. And usually that would burn the skin off of you. But now like it doesn't even do anything. And you're like, it's not even worth it. I'm getting out, right? This lukewarm feeling, maybe you can relate I know when we were talking about food recently in our home, I was, I was reminded that my mom used to serve every meal, everything that she made. Now, she didn't cook all the time. We ate out a lot. But when she did cook, she somehow mastered the ability to serve every dish at a temperature that you could not taste food for six weeks afterwards. So you would, you would get the barbecue chicken and you would bite into it and you'd be like, wow, that tasted good. Pretty much doesn't matter what else you serve us because I'm not gonna be able to taste any of it. That is scalding hot. But it didn't matter which dish you, you, you ate first. Like she, she served it so hot that you couldn't taste food. It like burnt your, your, your tongue. Well, that's what we're, we're reading here in Revelation 3. Like he would rather, Christ would rather you be hot, on fire, in pursuit, committed with everything you are in pursuit of him, or he would rather you be ice cold not in pursuit of him, not prioritizing the things of God, than to try to live somewhere in the middle that says, well, like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but... Like, I, I know what is right, but it's easier to do. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go to church, but you know, after I leave church, I'm gonna do some other things that like, you know, they probably wouldn't approve of in my G group, but I'm just not gonna post about it. I'm not, And so they live, we live, other people we know, surely no one in the room, nobody watching online, but other people that we know. We live in this middle ground of lukewarm. And the words of Revelation 3 is like, just pick a side. Like maybe you've got some people fooled, but for eternity, you're actually gonna come to a moment where you're not gonna be able to fool anybody anymore. Just pick a side, just live contrary if that's what you wanna do. Or the challenge here is to actually pick the side of pursuit, a burning hot, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ that says, hey, I'm all in. I'm committed. And I've said for a while, I believe that in this current day and age and the current things that we see around us with our eyes that I believe that all of us will have to make that choice. The fringes are going away. You're gonna have to choose whether or not you are in pursuit of God or you are fine not pursuing him at all. And so as I think about all of these things, I'm, I'm reminded that you and I, as it relates to God, a relationship with him starts with salvation. I mean, there's definitely a journey towards that perhaps as you're trying to determine that, but the, the actual relationship with God starts with salvation, And you and I cannot earn salvation. So there is no amount of good works or good deeds that gets you into relationship with God. But we can honor salvation. We can value salvation by valuing the things that God values. We we can actually say like, as I'm in relationship with you, after I've been saved, I've received this free gift of salvation. As that's taken place, I now choose to honor that gift by valuing the things that God values. And so I wanna spend the remainder of our time, these last few minutes together, talking about some commitments, these committed commitments as it relates to a relationship with God. How do I value what God values? Well, the first thing that I think we need to be committed to is we need to be committed to God's word. If we're in relationship with God, we need to value his word. And anytime the rest of the day that you hear me say God's word, I am talking about the Bible. Whether you have a printed version, you got a big old version your grandma gave you and it's sitting on your coffee table at the house or it's on a shelf somewhere or you, you carry it with you, you read it, it's sitting on your nightstand, you read it the first thing when you get up every morning or the last thing you do before you go to bed at night or it's an app on your phone or your iPad or whatever that looks like for you, I am talking about being committed to the Bible, being committed to God's word. And so here's what I'm gonna need you to do for about four or five minutes. I'm gonna need you to just give me the benefit of the doubt because I recognize when I say things like this, the challenge is gonna be like, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to say that. Well, I'm a pastor. What do you want me to say, right? Like I love the word of God and not because I'm made to, not because I'm required. I really do love The Bible, I love to read it. I was meeting with someone earlier this week and we were talking about the difficulty of starting a year in January to read through the Bible and start with the book of Genesis And how it's really awesome, and you have a lot of momentum early in the book of Genesis when you're reading about creation, and you're reading about Noah and the ark, and then you're reading about Abraham, and then you start in, you get eventually, like by, depending on how you're reading, if you're just reading a chapter a day, it takes all of the month of January really to get there, and you're into early February, but if you're reading a couple chapters a day, by the end of January, you get to this incredible story of Joseph and the coat of many colors and the brothers, and I mean, you get this incredible story for another 12 or 13 chapters, and then you get into Exodus, and it's like all this is amazing. Let Moses, let's go and set God's people free. And then shortly thereafter, after these amazing miraculous things that God does, God starts giving instruction on how to build a temple. And it gets a little difficult to read. And then if you keep reading through the first quarter of the year, you get into Leviticus and we start talking about grain offerings and we start talking about killing birds in fields to atone for the, it gets a whew, if you're having difficulty sleeping at night, sometimes you just start reading Leviticus. Then they get to the book of Numbers and the, you know what they do in the book of Numbers? They start counting people. And they're like, there's eleven guys over there, and there's 132,000 over here, and there's 14,000 over here, and you're like, okay, and you really want to skip. And if you're reading through your Bible plan and you're on an app, you really just want to like check the box, like in spirit, I was I was hanging with you, but I'm gonna move to the New Testament. And you're trying to figure out like, how do I stay in this? Well, I believe that sometimes we're overcomplicating it. This is what it says in Psalm 119 verse 9. It says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? Like, how do we stay pure? By living according to your word. So many of us are walking through life trying to figure out, like, how can we figure it out? How do we live in purity? How do we live our life in a way that would honor God? By living according to your word. Recent studies, and this has been done about every five or 10 years, they look at spiritual literacy and culture both inside and outside of the church. Here are some alarming numbers. More than half of high school students think that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. That's actually two different cities that are referenced there in the book of Genesis. And it's like, well, those are high school students. Like they're still working some stuff out, right? 54% of parents thought that the Hunger Games could be a biblical story. 54% of parents thought that. Less than one half of Americans can name the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four accounts of the life of Jesus on the earth. And there's tons and tons of other stats, but I don't wanna bore you with that. Here's what we know. Here's what we know, as culture has gotten more and more educated around the world, as more and more information has become available to us, we have become less and less literate about the word of God. Every single study year after year shows that we know less about the Bible as we know more about everything else. And so the great challenge is if I'm going to be committed in relationship with God, how committed am am I to the word of God? And I know sometimes because like, when I read the Bible, I look at the disciples and I think, man, you guys are super lucky. Like you just had God in skin walking around with you. Like if you had a question about anything, like, you know, what was it like to create the earth in six days and then rest? Like, what, what was it like to, to do this? And what was, what was Moses like way back there? Like when you were interacting with him and he was like, show me your glory and all of these things were happening. Like, that was so cool. When you were like the God thing, you weren't the human. Like when that was happening, like, what was that like? Like you could ask him any question. We don't have that advantage. And yet you and I have the word of God that scripture tells us is active and alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts into our lives and cuts into our heart. And what I said a couple of times during our 21 days is I don't read the Bible as much as the Bible reads me. It seems like every time I'm actually reading the Bible, I am confronted and challenged by the things that need to be worked out in me the things where I'm still falling short and I'm still not fully committed, I'm more verbally committed than actually committed to God. I've gotta be committed to God's word. Scripture tells us that how does, how does a young person stay pure? By, by honoring, by living out, by hiding God's word in our heart? Scripture also tells us that the Bible is a lamp unto our feet, it's, it's a light to our path. And so if I were to tell you today that you could take these words and you could put them into your heart and it would help you to live life in ways that honor God and it would help you to avoid some of the heartache and pain and tragedy and trouble that you've experienced. And I were to tell you that you could take these words and you could really utilize them to light your path and to determine the direction that you should go and the way that you should live. Why are we not reading the Bible more? Why why are we not committed more to God's word? And and I put myself in this camp. Like, why are we not more committed to God's word? And maybe you would say, and I said this a few minutes ago, maybe you say, well, I just don't know how to do it. Like I start in Genesis and every year by like the first couple weeks or the first couple days even, or maybe the first few months, like I I just, I kind of, I stop reading. I can't figure it out. I get lost in some of the story. Well, here's what I would say. If you have not made like a really big dent into making it a commitment to God's word, then just pick a couple of spots in the Bible that you could actually start reading that are a little easier to read and understand because perhaps they connect to stories you already know. Start in the gospel of John, John chapter one. There's 21 chapters in the gospel of John. It takes 30 days to start a new habit and try to make a habit in those first 21 days of 30 of reading a chapter every day. There aren't really any long chapters in John. And you're gonna get to John 3.16 and you're gonna read these amazing stories about Jesus and you're gonna read the passion experience. And so just read through the book of John, the gospel of John. Maybe you would choose to read through the book of Acts. Again, it's a little short of 30 days if you read a chapter every day, but it's the formation of the church. And it really connects all that we read in the New Testament because it takes the stories that follow the life of Jesus and the disciples, these apostles, and it's all of these letters that we see later in the New Testament. A lot of those letters are started through relationships that are being formed in the book of Acts. These these letters, these communities, these church plants The Apostle Paul, Peter, others that we see doing ministry, we actually find out the cities and the places that they went. Those are the places they're writing letters to as you read through some of these other letters later in the New Testament. The book of Ephesians is like this practical book of how we live and application. So is the book of James. It's called the New Testament proverb. Maybe you go to Proverbs and you find a proverb a day that you can read through to really help yourself as you're trying to determine how to live for God, being committed to God's word. You could read one proverb every day and it takes you through the month. Just find a place to start. And if you're still not sure, this coming Wednesday night, we're starting a brand new G group. It's one of about 22 or 23 that we're offering this semester. And it's called How to Read the Bible. It's here at the church at seven o'clock on Wednesday nights. Maybe go to the website, jump into that group and jump into this study as we learn together how to read the Bible. So the first thing that I think we have to do is we have to build our life on the right thing starting with the word of God. We gotta be committed to God's word. The second thing is we gotta be committed to God's people. We have gotta be committed to God's people. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not de- neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, this verse, verse 25 it's gotten a lot of publicity in the last 10 months or so. With COVID and the church, and I use it, Big C Church for a minute, but even our church in March of last year, we found out like on a Thursday or Friday that, hey, we're not gonna be able to meet together under the guidelines that have been presented to us. We're not gonna be able to meet together on this coming Sunday It was like Thursday or Friday of that week, and so we're trying to figure out we've never streamed a service, and so we're trying to figure out how to do that. And and so we came together and the best we could do and and we've we've said it kind of semi-jokingly, like, don't go back and watch those services. They were terrible. Please don't do that. And we've tried to get a little better every week. And and so as a part of that journey, we we stopped our in-person gatherings. And we were in the middle of construction. And so then as we could reopen, reopening in the space upstairs was going to be nearly impossible because of the numbers of people we could put into that smaller room. And so the number of services we were going to have to have and the number of people that expressed just a little uncertainty about gathering together, we continued online until this space was finished and we could open and meet together in this place. But just to be clear, like the church never closed, We, we opened a brand new campus online and Hundreds and hundreds of people every week gathered together, and even now, we still have about 100 people every week that are watching online, and so the church never closed. We didn't forsake the assembling, but in the midst of those circumstances, we did change the way we were assembling, and I think sometimes when we only use our American perspective, we are convinced that the way that we're gathering right now is the way it's always been done all the way back to when Jesus did it, and that's not the reality historically, In other places in the world, in other times in history, those gatherings have looked very, very different. And many of them looked a lot like we experienced in G groups, which continued in some format and then as quickly as we could back in person. So the church never closed. We just changed the way that we assembled together because we value the assembling together. A few weeks ago, the very first Sunday of January, what we had to do, we found out there were about 60 or 70 people within our church who had tested positive for covid or were symptomatic in a home where someone had tested positive. So we felt like for two primary reasons, one, to keep you safe. And second of all, because we felt like we had an inability to serve those who might show up in person, we moved back online for one week. But our commitment has never changed. Our desire is to meet in person. It always has been. A few months before COVID happened, we had icy roads. And so we didn't stream yet. And so we had to just like record a service of me sitting in my brown chair in my house and post that onto our Facebook page because it was the only way we could gather but we were committed in some format to gather together because we value keeping you safe, but we also try to value making sure we have an opportunity to worship together. That's our commitment, it always has been because we do value being together. If you are in the room, we value you being here What we just read in Hebrews chapter 10 is that we encourage one another. We motivate one another. We are better when we are together. If you're watching online, we understand many of you you're watching online because you have health issues. You have people in your home who have health issues. You're immunocompromised and you're trying to figure out how do I continue to gather together. We don't fault you in that. We're not mad at you. We miss you, but we're not mad at you. We love that we have the opportunity to gather in a variety of formats. And so I think that as we talk about Hebrews chapter 10 here, we recognize the importance of being Together now, I do recognize that the events of this last year have changed the way that people engage the church. I ran across some statistics over the last few weeks related to attendance during COVID nineteen, according to Barna Research. And this is what it says: It says of the Boomers generation, twenty six percent stopped attending church, eleven percent switched churches, and forty percent stayed at the same church. Gen Xers, 35% stopped attending, 17% switched churches, and 31% stayed at the same church. And of millennials, 50% stopped attending, 8% switched churches, and 30% stayed at the same church. We are in a day and age when church attendance, just like the word of God, is being devalued and devalued and devalued, but the words of Hebrews 10 have never been more relevant to our lives we encourage one another, we motivate one another towards love and good deeds because there is something that you are missing when you forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And if you can't come and be in person, you watch online. And if you can't come to an in-person G group, you find a way to engage your group online or you find another way that you can stay connected to other people who are in pursuit of God. 76% of Americans believe that churches should be open, but only 17% of Americans are actually attending church in any format. So 76%, three out of every four people say, yeah, churches should be open. But only one out of six Americans say, I'm engaging the church in any format at all. It's like a verbal commitment that doesn't really cost us anything. If we're gonna be committed in pursuit of God, we have to be committed to God's word and we have to be committed to God's people. And what we recognize is that you and I are the the product of the people that we are connected to. I ran across this this week, I loved this. It says, if you hang around five positive people, you will be the sixth. If you hang around five negative people, you will be the sixth. If you hang around five intelligent people, you will be the sixth. And if you hang around five idiots, you will be the sixth. You become the company that you keep. I was trying to figure up and figure out and follow up to that. you are hanging out with five people who are lukewarm. You will be the sixth. You and I are the product of the people that we keep company with, and this isn't to guilt you, it's to motivate you, to encourage you according to Hebrews chapter 10. And maybe you say, well, you know what? I'm just not sure. I don't, I don't even know if I believe what you believe. And that's okay. You can belong here before you believe. So we wanna challenge you to encourage you. Here's the last point. You gotta be committed to God's word, you gotta be committed to God's people, and you gotta be committed to God's mission. You gotta be committed to God's mission. If you've been here for the last few weeks or the last few months, this probably sounds a little bit redundant, but I'm not gonna stop talking about it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says this. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's the great commission, it's what we've been called to as Christ followers to go and make disciples to the ends of the earth, beginning right here where we are. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. It's the mission of Jesus Christ as he was sent to the earth by the Father. And as Christians, Christ followers, little Christs, it is our mission to go and seek seek and save the lost. You were placed on the earth for such a time as this, Is the world going crazy right now? Yes. Are more people hurting than ever before? Yes. Are more people disillusioned than ever before? Yes. So what are we gonna do about it? We're gonna be about the Father's business. I recently read, and it's something that I had read like 10 years ago and maybe even 20 years before, that only 3% of Christians claim to have the gift of evangelism. Evangelism is to tell people about Jesus and to really help them to understand who he is and what he's about. Only 3% of Christians claim to have the gift of evangelism. And I think that one of the huge reasons that so many people in the world don't know the truth is because Christians aren't talking about it. I'm guilty. I'm indicting me. We're not talking about it. We're not telling enough people about Jesus. We're talking about a lot of other stuff. I mean, our conversations, if we carried a phone in our pocket and we put the voice memo on, we are talking about a lot of stuff. And we're posting about a lot of stuff. And none of that's wrong, but we've just forgotten. Or we're not comfortable and we just, we're not talking about Jesus. We're not telling people the the truth that we've encountered and the way that our lives have been changed. To some degree, we're verbally committed. I believe that God is calling all of us into a greater level of commitment and relationship with him. And to do so, we must value the things that God values. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. And if I'm being 100% honest, you can't really talk me out of it. There's some things you can. This one, I don't think that you can. If in 2021, you were more committed to God's word than you ever have been before, and you were more committed to God's people than you ever have before, and you were more committed to God's mission than you ever have been before, it would be the greatest year you've ever lived in your whole life. You'd be more fulfilled than you ever have been in your whole life You would experience greater joy than you've ever experienced in your whole life because you would be valuing the things. We would be valuing the things that God values. Are there other things that God values? Absolutely. But we start with this, God's word and God's people and God's mission. And so here's the question for all of us today. Which one needs the most work in me and you? Which one needs the greater level of commitment than we're giving right now? Do I need to be more committed to God's word than I am right now? Like, is that the weak area? Am I just not reading the Bible for a variety of reasons? Am I not engaging scripture in some form? Maybe I read the Bible, I do it on my own, I do devotions, nothing wrong with that, that's awesome. You're to be commended for that. But maybe I'm not committed to God's people. Maybe it's in this format. Maybe it's in a different format. I'm not in community with people. I'm not in relationship. It scares me to think about being into a smaller group. Like, what are they going to say? What are they going to ask me? What if I don't like them? G groups scare. Okay, church, I'm not sure. I I don't really like. In what form can I be more committed to God's people? Do I need to be more committed to God's mission? Maybe I'm reading the Bible. Maybe I'm connected to God's people. And somehow, even reading the words of God and being around people that are in pursuit of God, I'm just not committed to living on mission. I'm verbally committed, but like, I'm just, I'm just not really in it. I'm just, I'm not. Do I need to be more committed to God's mission to seek and save the lost? To get out of my comfort and get out of my schedule and get out of my routine and to therefore go in response to all I've seen and heard, go and make disciples and to proclaim the truth and to listen for those keywords words when people are talking and I hear that they're hurting and I hear that they're searching and to go, you know what, this is my moment. I don't know that I have the answers. I probably can't tell you chapter and verse where it's at, but I've experienced what you're talking about. And let me tell you what God did in me. Let me tell you what I've experienced in my group or my church or a Bible study or something. Like, let me just tell you, like this is, this is how I encountered God, and my life's never been the same. I got healthy, I got whole. We, we went to counseling and God used that to bring healing into our marriage and our relationship. I got sober, I got, I got free. Like let me just t- I've walked what you're walking, what you're talking about. I've been there. And we just listen for those moments and we ask God, like God, how can you use this moment? In me, which one needs the most work, the greater level of commitment this year in your life, in my life? I would encourage you. Don't try to tackle all three at the same time. Don't go, I'm gonna read the Bible every single day. I'm never gonna skip a day. I'm never missing church. I'm joining all the G groups. I will tell every person I know, including all the people at lunch, I will never ever walk into a place where I don't tell everybody about, like don't tackle all of them it's unsustainable it's probably not even what you're called to do but like just i know this is the one let's start there i'm gonna ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment in the room and watching online today if you would say jeremy for me i know my first step my next step right now is to accept this free gift of salvation to ask God to be the Lord and Savior of my life, to forgive my sins. I don't want another moment to pass by before I make that decision. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. If you're watching online, make sure you click the button there. Let us know. Type that in the chat. And if you would say to me, and there's three different parts of this prayer based on what we've just talked about. If you would say, and I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand just so I know how to pray for our church. If you're watching online you can drop this in the chat your response so we know how to pray if you would say jeremy i need to up my commitment to god's word this year that's me that's that's my one would you just lift your hand right where you're at thank you so much tons of hands you're not alone put it right down now if you'd say jeremy i know i need to up my commitment to god's people i need to find community and to be more consistent in my attendance in my group or church or whatever that looks like just lift your hand right where you're at and put it right back down thank you so many hands if you would say, I need to be more committed to God's mission, to seek and save the lost, to go and make disciples, just to listen for those moments where God might use me to speak life and truth and hope into someone's life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and put it right back down? So many hands today. I hope you're, you're responding as you watch online. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you today for who you are and all that you've done in our gathering and all this, the, the worship, the music we've been singing, the time of communion, moments of prayer. And God, go into your word. And I ask you now, God, to respond to those who've who've responded to you. God, I pray that you would save those, forgive those who have asked for you to do so. God, we thank you that you save people. And so God, we thank you for the decisions that have been made today. And God, now I pray for every hand that was lifted, that we would be more committed to your word. God, give us a passion, a hunger for your word. God, help us when we get discouraged and we get distracted and we're not really sure. God, let us know. Use the Holy Spirit in our lives to speak to us about how we should read your word. God, let us be committed, more committed than we ever have been before to God's people. Jump into a group perhaps to be more consistent in our attendance at church in some format, even if we're joining online, that's a part of this process. So God, help us to be more consistent in that and God, to be more on mission. I pray that you would help us to give hope and life and point people to you.